Milwaukee's MX Fuel equipment system revolutionizes the light equipment market by delivering the performance and durability demanded by the trades. From the MX Fuel cutoff saw and MX Fuel sewer machine to the MX Fuel power supply and the MX Fuel tower light, MX Fuel has you covered without the hazards associated with emissions, noise, vibration, and the frustrations of petrol maintenance. MX Fuel, equipment system, equipment redefined. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Ricks. Ricks is an Australian lifestyle brand founded with a mission to transform the eyewear industry by creating carefully crafted eyewear that inspires confidence. Everybody should be able to enjoy a touch of luxury and the confidence it brings. See the world differently today. Head online now at rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. Righto, let's get into the show. Oh, welcome back, everybody. I was American Aces in Sydney. This is my first ever podcast in Sydney, I believe. Um, the great man Jeffrey there behind the cameras. I can't thank him enough, but uh, got some great guests in Sydney. And the first one is my great mate, Matty DeBall, mate. Welcome to the uh, Oz American Aces uh, Tommy Talks podcast. And thanks for jumping in, our mate, uh, Marcus Calliter. The entrepreneur, as he is, he's got the awards everywhere. <laughs> the vodka soda end boys, I'm staying at ease, but um, we've set it up and yeah, man, I'm really excited to sit down and have a chat. No, it's awesome, mate. It's good to see you doing this, to be honest. Like, obviously, we've known each other for a while and all I've ever seen you do, mate, is just bring joy to you know, everyone that's sort of in your orbit. Um, so it's great to see you, you know, productize yourself here through Tommy Talks, through Oz American Aces, and I think you're doing a great job. So it is, it, Thanks, mate. It is good that you can kind of hopefully one day monetize talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're very, not, I mean, a lot of people would know that we're close mates, but, um, but we're, you know, looking back, very lucky. Yet we had times where we probably thought we weren't lucky getting cut, going to new clubs. Um, but someone like, uh, you know, I kind of followed in your footsteps a little bit with, with being cut at Frio a year after, then going to the Giants and, and you know having someone like you do what you did really made me confident and allowed me to walk in and um, be myself. You know, I already knew everything about the club through the boys. But um, today's podcast, mate, I'm just really keen to, to talk about a lot of things. It's obviously footy, there's business. But at the start, I want to touch on family, mate. We've just welcomed... Uh, Harrison to the family and he's what he 12 weeks this week is that yep. right 12 weeks Monday so yeah I'm a dad now mate so that's been a huge adjustment but it's been it's been great and just seeing you know Rach just grow into the most beautiful mum as well um it's just been yeah obviously game changing and uh, absolutely loving it do you think you could have done it when you're playing footy because I've asked a few like this and I know you obviously a weapon we all know this but it's it looks challenging and when you've got a partner you know you guys are from Perth be very tough, wouldn't it? I remember when we used to travel, <clears throat> particularly from sort of Perth to Melbourne, and the, the people that had kids used to look forward to that. You know, used to be able to sleep in their own hotel room and yeah. get their nine hours sleep. So like, it, it would be super challenging. Like the you have to use the spare bedroom the night before games and those sort of things because it's the new normal, right? Like you're typically used to getting sort of eight nine hours sleep oh. or the high performance manager coming and tapping you on the shoulder if you're you know registering anything data less than that. But now you're up sort of three or four times a night, which is just which is just part of it and. Yeah, I'm fortunate. Rach is, uh, is pretty special and no complaints and just sort of gets on with it. And I just try and play my role, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does playing your role look like? Uh, I actually love nappies. Nappies are fine. It's like I tread like the F1 pit stop, get him in there, get, get it out happening, out, out he goes. Um, so that's been great. Like bath time's awesome. That's sort of more my role. You know, you can sort of make eye contact and you can see him sort of figuring it all out. Um, try and take him for a walk in the morning and Rach, you might get an extra hour's sleep. 
Um, so yeah, just trying to chip in here and there, but then like cleaning and bits and pieces, just try and yeah, pick up the slack where possible. There you go. The pit stop analogy is a cracker. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not ready for nappies, but I like that. That's uh, <laughs> in and out. <laughs> and I'd imagine you'd probably be timing them, wouldn't you? 100%, <laughs> man. Pretty efficient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, mate, serious question here. What what kind of values do you want Harrison, you know, are you going to instill in Harrison as a young, you know, a young male when he... <laughs> When he can talk and all that, and listen to you, uh, I know at the moment it's frustrating you because you can't, you can't have that dialogue yet. But you know, this is pretty cool. Um, you know, knowing what you know has been instilled in you, what what kind of values are you gonna you know throw his way when he uh, is a young fella? Yeah, it's a good question. You start to think about it now, um, and you wonder like if my parents did anything intentionally or just sort of through you know obviously who they were, and it just sort of came from as, as a result of that. So in thinking a little bit about it, I guess. First, I want him to just to love his mum, you know, as, as he should, um, and, and all the sort of hard work that you know we're going through at the moment. But like loving it and, and wouldn't change it for the world. But in thinking about it, like, and this might sound strange, but I don't. You never want him to suffer, but I want him to struggle. Like I want him to like whether it's homework, whether it's sport or whatever. I want him just to learn that life's like it's a struggle, but like the term struggle has like negative connotations. Whereas I think that's where the beauty can come from. Whether it's you know improving your time trial or getting better at school or starting a business or whatever it is, like. It's not going to be easy. So just getting comfortable with like the struggle part, I should want him to sort of get through that. And then like in line with that, I want obviously like, you know, hard work, respect, love, like, you know, all these non-negotiables, but I also just want him to learn and I sort of want to condition him to learn that he can essentially have what, like whatever he wants as long as he's willing to put in like the effort, you know, in a commensurate level of effort with that. And it might start small, right? Like he might want to watch TV for half an hour. I go, yeah, no worries. You can do that. First, you've got to put away your toys and, you know, give your mum a kiss on the cheek or whatever it is. Yeah. And then it might be, Dad, I want an iPhone. And it's like, no worries, you can have one. Like, make sure you get a part-time job and, you know, go and do the, yeah. the paper round or, you know, whatever it might be and, um, and get good marks at school. No, like, no worries. Absolutely, you can have that. Dad, I want a car. Sure. Like, absolutely, you can have that. You might have to go and, you know, ace all A's and that'll help contribute but you need to get a part-time job you know whatever it might be I try yeah. to condition to though it's good I can get whatever I want but I'm gonna have to put in X so then I'd love for him to come to me and that I'm thinking I want this what have I got to do I'm, great let's do it you know I want to win the best and fairest sure mate let's go and do some extra training let's go do this and then yeah. that will give you your best chance at, at getting that teaching so, him there's no real handouts in life you need to really work hard for something and, and teaching him young we know it gives him great you know behavior you know patterns later on in life a little bit of adversity young. You always, I yep. mean, as, as we know with your career, we're going to talk about it soon, but you wouldn't be who you are today if you didn't get knocked back and knocked back, would you? You'd, be, you'd probably be cruising in life. Yeah, well, it's one of those, well, I just wanted to learn that like, yeah, you want the output, you've got to put in the inputs and it's yeah. always going to be sort of in line with that. And yeah, I think um, adversity is like, it's a real part of sort of growing up. I think I never really thought about it in that way. And everyone talks about resilience and you've got to be resilient. I, I, once again, probably didn't know the definition of that word when I was young, I just sort of, thought about finding a way you know and, and what's the next step in terms in, in terms of that so like you know if there's a I heard this great analogy it's like there's this 10,000 piece puzzle and it's like super hard right it's like oh where do I start and you just find the next piece you just keep finding the next piece and then all of a sudden the picture starts to form so yeah for me it was all around just trying to control what I could to, to get better through any sort of setbacks or, or otherwise and then upon reflection it might look like resilience but in reality it was just me trying to find that next puzzle piece to give you my best mm. chance at seeing the picture. I like that. I like that. Piece by piece. Piece by piece. Brick by, by brick. That's it. 
Ah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's um, oh, it's exciting. I'm I'm just sitting here visualizing him doing twenty push-ups. <laughs> like, mate, you want that chocolate bar? You do twenty push-ups. Do twenty push-ups. That's spot on, mate. You, mate. you can have the chocolate bar, you but can. you do the twenty. Do the 20. Uh, I can't wait to see this. What do you think you'll become? Like, you, uh, now this is a question. You, you never want to push your kids to do something, but if you could hope that he could be something, what do you what do you want him to be as a father? because oh, you've obviously got the business, you've got the, you know, the intelligence, you know, as you said, he could be a, he could be a nerd. Everyone knows, probably doesn't know him, that he's a big nerd. Um, he's an elite athlete. Like, there's all these little categories that he could jump into, but what do you think, what would you love him to be? Oh, um, come work with me, ideally, in some capacities. I can, he can be part of my world. No, I think, I, I haven't thought about that. I think it's one of the ones where you still want to, you know, provide for him and for him to go well in life. Um, the struggle part's important, but like, Obviously, I want him to excel at you know at sport because I think it's good for self-esteem. You know whether he's awesome it's, it, or otherwise is fine, but just for him to you know in, enjoy playing sport and particularly team sport in, in that regard. And then yeah, have some, whatever he's interested in, just to make sure he uh, his mum thinks he'll be good at music and drama. I said that's fine. He can lead the team song. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll honestly just let him you know let his passion dictate where he wants yeah. to go. But for him just to have a crack at all, all of that and yeah. I mean, you know, you know, me and Matt, I'm all about like lessons and education and challenging the listeners and, and those sort of things. Something my mum always said, and it was a quote from Vince Lombardi, and I, I don't think she knows who that is, but famous NFL coach. Um, he said, a quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence, regardless of their chosen field of endeavor. So whatever you could be doing, as long as you're having a red hot go at it, like your quality of life is right there. So... Another one in line with that is comparison is the thief of joy. So rather than comparing yourself against other people, for me, it's like you have a go, a red hot go at doing everything that you want to do and what you're passionate about, then your quality of life will be there. So ultimately, I just want him to be happy mm. and for him to come around for dinner once a week. Yeah, <laughs> nah, mate, you've hit the nail on the head. And I'm, uh, I guess what I love about podcasts, I probably wouldn't, I mean, I've already spent a bit of time with you up in Sydney and we, we always talk on the phone, but I probably wouldn't ask you this question. So it's, uh, it's great. Well, you know, in, whatever 20 years we'll get this podcast back up and we'll see how he's tracking he's probably yeah. he's probably f1 driver or something just something with a high adrenaline and doing uh, elite work mate let's let's dive straight into transition in afl um we're going to go back and talk a bit of footy for the listeners hang around we're going to get some you know go back me and maddie obviously started i started my career at frio and, and obviously ended at the giants we've got plenty of stories but but the transition from an afl player um on the way out is very tough traditionally um you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why, uh, but you're one of those guys that's always built your life away from footy uh, the whole time. You never had it easy. You know, one year contracts. We might laugh about them, but then you know, it's not nothing to laugh about because you, you you know your dreams over every year for however many years, six years or whatever it was. Um, you know, how's the transition been? Have are you set up well because of all those one year contracts and you thought it might be ending, or obviously. You just knew that like there was it was going to come to an end, and you wanted to just transition straight into it. Or has AV, which we're going to talk about, just popped up at the right time, and it's like perfect timing for you now at 33, and you know you've got a kid now. It's just like it's, it was a seamless transition. Yeah, I would say it's seamless, but and I think I've transitioned a couple of times, right? With obviously being delisted by Fremantle, firstly, um, started to get the CV in order and what life <laughs> looked like there, and we might we might go back to that. But yeah, in, in more recent times, you know, 14 years of playing. AFL football and, and you know retirement that was sort of the, the time for me you know I guess in the background had been chipping away at, at building athletic ventures which we can which we can touch on but um, yeah quite simply you go from every day getting up as you know from an AFL career when the alarm goes off or you wake up like I need to be on today you know whether it's like in the gym on the track 
in the in the classroom, like whatever it might be. I need to be red hot and I need to be on as a leader, as a player, as a performer to make sure that we get the best out of ourselves. So I don't feel like I've lost that, maybe a little bit. Um, and like the harsh accountability, you know, of that, of the you know, daily spotlight and the weekly spotlight. But I think I've tried to take that, um, that mindset into my next pursuit. And first and foremost, just want to be a great dad and a great husband and, and really enjoying that. So yeah, Rach and I went um, for a holiday for a month late last year, which was great. Um, she was pregnant at the time. So, you know, I, I drank the wine and, and she just <laughs> enjoyed the view. Um, and then from there, it's just been, yeah, really about growing athletic ventures. So, I mean, just to jump into it, it's a, quite simply, we're, we're a syndicate or a community of past and present elite athletes that invest in champion founders, building futures, most iconic companies. Um, so, you know, we've invested in companies like Guzmani Gomez, who gives a crap, um, Eucalyptus, and, you know, we might jump into a few more, Henry recently. Um, and over time, we've sort of really grown that. I'm really passionate about that. And, um, and getting a seat at the table in this VC, you know, private equity space, which has typically been hard to access. So really passionate about that. And then within that has been um, organizing some educational content for our athlete community as well. And once again, I'm, I'm all about that for myself. Um, so yeah, unashamedly getting benefit from that, but then obviously trying to scale it to our other athletes that are, that are passionate about that. So I get lots of joy of building that. I get plenty of help with that. I get to work with some razor sharp people, um, you know, Ed Cowan, Nick Crocker, Justin Lippman, Luke Bucheri, you know, Christy Jenkins, Josh Thomas, like Dixon White, you know, just some smart, smart people that um, I get to bounce off and, and feel like we're really building something special. So I get plenty of joy uh, out of that, as well as just being a dad and not getting my skin folds taken uh, yeah. every month. It's, uh, it's well said, and I appreciate you getting into the depth there of what Athletic Ventures is. We'll get, we'll, we'll break it down a little bit more, but are you finding that you're getting that fix of like a locker room type of vibe? It's probably the thing that you miss the most because you're working with so many athletes in different fields. You're still getting that fix. You're talking business, but there might be a little two-minute chat there. Oh, by the way, mate, well done on the weekend. How you feel? You know, is it is it keeping that little fix alive as well? Yeah, a little bit. But like, you know, I'd be lying to myself if I said it was replacing it. Yeah. There is no substitute for. Yep. Being around the locker room with like characters like yourself, mate, and you know, you know Harry Himmelberg, Isaac Cumming, you know, whatever it might be, um, like I'll miss that, and then yeah. and you know, I'll never be able to sort of go back to that, which is like, which is sad, but then just get excited by sort of what's to come. But you know, there's no better feeling than after a good win. You know, the the boys beat the Swans by a point. You know, just the the celebrations after that, and you know, everyone's played their role, and you're exhausted and victorious, as we sort of put it. Um, like, there's no better feeling than that, but yeah, just trying to sort of replicate that in some small way. And we've got good relationships with boys, both at Fremantle, naturally, and the Giants, and now around the AFL as a result of, of what we're building. What's the closest feeling to that in the business world, do you think? <clears throat> Landing a deal for AV? Yeah, yeah, it's like probably, um, yeah, definitely excited to launch and be participating. A, um, we don't like the term deal. We, we, we like okay. being. That's no, good. Teach me. Yeah, 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 what, what yeah. You, what's the terminology? Oh, we like being shareholders in, in businesses and long term shareholders and partnering with these founders. So, um, whilst it can come across like that, it's a new opportunity for the athletes to participate. And so, I do get excited by meeting the company, doing the work, taking it out, and then getting athletes that want to participate and be yeah, long term shareholders of, of great businesses. Um, there's that. Recently this year, we had a, um, an acquisition of one of our earlier investments, which was pretty exciting, you know, so you return a bit of capital to the athletes um, and we also got some uh, equity in the acquiring company. So we go on the journey with that. So that's a little bit of a 
Break that down a little bit more for the listeners. Sure. So, so when did you start? When was the first investment? Yeah. And then obviously this has gone really well. Just break that down for them because a lot of people might not understand what that means. Yeah, okay. I might go back a step. So everyone's probably familiar with public investing in public companies. So your, yep. your Combanks on the ASX, you know, you might be an ETFs or, or otherwise. Um, and with that, anyone can invest and anyone, and then you can enter and exit whenever you want. There's, you know, more often than not always liquidity within that. So that's the public markets. So we're investing in the private markets. So that are companies that are not let, not yet listed. So they're often, um, yeah, exclusive and, and hard to get into and, and you need the the founders and sometimes the other investors to allow you to come in. So um, this particular company, you know, we invested in 2020. Um, so we've been on the journey with them, you know, for a few years, which is actually a short period of time in in, in the private market space. But um, because they were going so well, a US acquirer came along and said, we would like to acquire your business um, at, a, at an uplift for based off the growth that the business has been able to achieve. So. As a result of that, the earlier investors um, were able to get some cash back as well as some equity in that acquirer company. So now we go on the journey with them because um, we had belief in where they were going to take the ultimate business as well. So. Yeah. So that's got to be a little bit of a locker room moment, isn't it? A little, a few high fives. Little, think, yeah. Not yeah. A, not getting ahead of yourself. That's that'd be a, that's what you want, right? Ultimately. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Ultimately, we'll be judged on returns. Absolutely. You want to be partners with these great businesses and over the, the long term. But at some point, you want to return capital. So, yeah, that can happen via an acquisition. It can happen via an IPO, um, or it can happen via you know in a future funding round. Maybe a larger VC or investor comes in and wants to own a certain percentage of the of the business. And then you know because we're often smaller investors, they might take out our portion there. So yeah. There's a few ways to. To potentially exit but we often don't think about that it's like you know to use a sporting analogy like if you do a great job and you put you know runs on the board the ultimate score will take care of itself yeah we used to love that one didn't we <laughs> play your role execute your role yeah 100 effort the yeah. scoreboard will take care of itself don't even look at it exactly which is kind of did didn't it when we were used to when we used to play together yeah um well done putting that down let's talk about some companies that you've invested in at athletic ventures um, before you actually answer that question, I love doing this, asking two questions. I've got to get better. There's a bit of feedback on the run for myself. Um, how many athletes are uh, in AV? Like just the number? Um, and then, yeah, talk to me about all the companies that you might have invested in that we all know and you've already touched on, but I like to talk about, especially Guzman Gomez. I love that place. GYG, yeah, it's yeah. a ripper. Um, okay, so I might, yeah, I'll go back to the start and, and then we can sort of build from yeah. there. Because it started as 15 athletes. Um, from AFL, netball, cricket, rugby, and, and basketball. Who was your first, actually? Who was the first? Sorry to just keep jumping in, but yeah. it's, you need that bloke to go. Man, I think a lot. You think you're onto something here? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. It might have been Toby Green or Matthew Delvadova. I'll have to go back and review the tape. And yeah, <laughs> review the tape. We'll see. We'll see who's number one. But um, yeah. So I mean, quite simply, um, in moving to Sydney, it was sort of yeah, game changing for building the the network and the relationships that you know I was very passionate about startups and and VC, venture capital more, more broadly, um, where I was able to you know, reach out and meet a Nick Crocker from Blackbird Ventures, you know, Justin Lippman from Equity Venture Partners, Ed Cowan, as mentioned, Paul Bassett from SquarePeg, also an AFL executive. So I was able to meet these like, fascinating people that were doing incredibly well in the, you know, in the VC space. Um, and then yeah, from there, got introduced to a few other founders, one of which was Tim Doyle, um, who had left Koala. He was instrumental in Koala's growth, who most people have heard of. Started his own company called Eucalyptus. Um, so I met him at the earlier part of that journey and then sort of followed that where the company came up to what's called a Series A. And maybe we can go back and break down the stages. But 
his company was raising capital at a Series A uh, mark, and um, I, I wanted to get wanted to get involved, but was told my check size wasn't enough to merit a spot on the cap table. Or what, can you talk about what enough is? Yeah, so there's a there's a rule where typically you want to keep your cap table nice and clean, like lean and clean, where you want to as soon as you get like sort of 50 shareholders or above, you've got to all do all these added disclosure requirements because you get um, labelled as like a more of a public company. So they want to try and make sure they get large checks from a small amount of people. So when I said, can I come in for you know, 20, 25K, thinking that's a lot of money, and it is a lot of money to, to lots of people, um, and, and told that you know, we probably need more, um, we sort of thought, okay, well, syndicates aren't a new phenomenon, but you know, I, I know a handful of AFL boys um, and you know, cricketers and Matthew Delvedova, who loves the space, got his finger on the pulse over in the States. Um, as an example, I thought, well, let's jump on a call, let's meet Tim, let's understand the business, let's go away, do our own DD, due diligence, and then um, if you'd like to participate, we can go from there. So quite simply, yeah, 15 um, athletes came back with interest, uh, so we had to draw up the entity and, and a unit trust structure to hold hold the um, hold the shares essentially. And um, you know, as we we're drawing it up, and I was sort of running point on it, it was like, well, let's pick a name. And I was like, okay, well, we're a bunch of athletes, let's go with Athletic Ventures, um, and it's it's resonated, which has been which has been great. Um, but it was you know just quite you know just sort of just happened. Um, so I was 15, and then we did some press for for Tim at the time in Eucalyptus. And the team there, um, and then our LinkedIn started to get quite busy. With you know, founders started sending us you know their pitch decks. Um, other athletes sort of slowly started to reach out, and some we started to meet some of the other VCs around the ecosystem um, and form a bit of a, a brand ourselves. Where the way we think about it now is that we can you know democratize access to VC for the everyday athlete. So rather than having to deploy six figures to get a, a spot you know, in these um, companies that you can invest a smaller amount of money, but through the vehicle that is Athletic Ventures, we're able to get um, uh, access and then play our role once again for those companies and really try and support them in, in a unique way. And it might be some social media, might be talking to them about culture and high performance and lessons from elite sport, might be through our networks of um, other sort of B2B business to business relationships uh, in that regard. And we took Eucalyptus on a, um, we did a sporting uh, AFL day for them where, you know, we ran them through a few drills and, you know, and they really enjoyed that. The founder, Tim Doyle, was kicking goals from the boundary. It was, you know, <laughs> Timmy, love it. It. It, was, it was smashing it. Um, so, yeah, we're just trying to find our way in the ecosystem and really support and, and add value in, I guess, a differentiated sort of way. So started with 15, just sort of growing steadily now where we've got, um, we've invested in 11 companies um, and we've got sort of over 150 athletes involved at the moment. Oh, well done, mate. Well done. That's, um, that's awesome. So that Eucalyptus, you actually, that was your first investment with 15 yep. athletes at the time. Yep. Yep. And you all just pulled your cash together and, and whacked it in and obviously provided a lot of value, like you said, Timmy Doyle on the boundary line, kicking a few snags, but that, that was your first in, that was your first taste. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and and you know Tim and the team there, you know Charlie Gearside, Benny Kleist, Alexi, you know the, the co-founders there have been great um, at executing on their their business plan as well, but just educating the athletes and taking the time as well to answer questions that we might have along that journey. So that's been really profound for us, where we'll even catch up with the with the guys now and um, and just socially, and you know we just think that they're high performers, but just in a different field. Yep. Like to give you an analogy, I, I sort of think about. Tim Doyle as like the Toby Green of the startup world where mm. he's supremely talented, works bloody hard, 
He's not afraid to ruffle a few feathers for his team, um, but executes, you know, and executes under pressure as well. So to give you like a I love that. likening to that, and it's like, if you could invest in Toby Green, like how cool would that be? And obviously we're investing in a business and a team and those sort of things, but the founders and the team that Tim's building is, is crucial and everything and, and really drives the, the business from there. So to liken it, yeah, maybe people will sort of understand the caliber of people that we're mm. dealing with. Now you're on fire with these uh, analogies. I'm loving that. And that's, it's good to see the synergies between elite sport and elite business and, and, and the fact that you can talk to both. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the game, right? So startups are hard. Like let's let's not be like let's not beat around the bush. It's not all up and to the right. Like it's not all it's not all cruisy. Neither is an AFL career. Neither is a sporting career for an individual athlete, but also a team. So the way that I liken it is like, yeah, it's hard. Are you up for that challenge? Is the is the goal and the premiership and the equivalent worth it? Then like absolutely. And then it's okay. Well, we need to build an elite team. We have great culture. We have great systems, process. We have great leaders. And I could be talking about startup life. I could be talking about an elite um, athlete's career or. A, a sporting team there so the parallels are uncanny and that's why i think that we can play a role in that journey as well yeah uh, well done um i got a questions from everyone obviously i put up the thing and i can't thank everyone enough every week we do this when we can um when we've got a guest with a few you know maybe it's only 24 hours but dally did reach out um which we love i'm a big fan of dally and um you know i don't know him off the uh, court as you'd say like you do but he asked a question, and I might as well ask it now while we're on it. Where do you see AV in 10 years? Like, have you thought that far ahead? Oh, yeah, goal setting is important, and, and everyone should do it. I, I often think about you know, what's possible, and, and what's possible for us is, is, um, is, lo is lots of things, right? But I guess ultimately we're about um, yeah, partnering with you know, great founders and, and really supporting them. And also I'm quite passionate about like, education, and it might be micro-education, but we organise masterclasses for the athletes as well as um, some other ad hoc content and you know great people like Ted Richards will share a podcast and then you know Lockie Keefe you know responds to that and so it's the, the community element there is important so 10 years time who knows but I'd like to think that we're you know um, yeah deploying capital into you know great companies continually and obviously earning return for our athletes first and foremost but um, supporting the companies in unique ways and helping them achieve along their journey and then yeah providing a real source of strength for athletes to come in and learn about, it might be VC, it might be, might be portfolio allocation, um, so portfolio construction, asset allocation, might be you know, adding value as a board member, might be all these other areas as well and building a sort of curriculum of, of education um, in that regard. So we're currently a syndicate, which means that um, each opportunity we sort of take out to the members, but there's another uh, notion where you can actually raise a fund, you go and get the capital and then deploy that over time. So. We may go down that path, we may not watch this space, but um, there's options there. So whether we've got a fund up and running or we're just a, a large syndicate that, you know, as mentioned, adds value to the, the founders and the co-investors um, and then as well as anchored by that educational content. Yeah, yeah. If, if you don't mind me asking, how does Matt DeBoer um, keep his head above water over the next couple of years as you're building all this? How does AV, you know, how do you support the family? Like, you know, because it's obviously startup stuff. How do you make money on the way would be another question that I'd be interested in asking. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, without an absolute direct answer, it's like at the moment, like, yeah, keep costs down from, you know, from a family point of view and, and all those sort of things. Um, 
you know, we live pretty frugal life as it is, but, you know, reasonably fortunate for my AFL career that, you know, we can, you know, withstand some, you know, less income for the next little bit, but we feel like we're building a, a bigger business where over time that that'll, that'll make up for it. So, um, yeah, the, the business model is, is quite evident that over time um, you just, you take small amount of fees um, and then ultimately performance as well that, that will dictate uh, in that regard. So if we do a great job, that'll take care of itself. But yeah, for the time being, it's um, just head down, bum up, do a good job, keep costs down. The reason I ask that is people don't understand the risk that you take when you're doing this kind of stuff. Um, it's, you know, a lot of founders would understand, like yeah, a lot of people out there see the, the big cash that you're chucking in these companies and the big picture, uh, they don't see the hard work, the sacrifice, uh, you know, as I said, you've got a family now, but it's like, do I go get another job or do I put everything I've got into this? And, and that's what you're doing. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to ask that question. It's like, you're probably not earning much at all at the moment because you're building such great value for the big company. But as you said, the big picture is large and, and, and you know that you can do anything if you put your time into it. Yeah. And with that talking about me, we might go back to say, um, you know, Tim Doyle and, and the team at Eucalyptus. So their, their brands are, yeah, Pilot, uh, Kin, Software, and, and Juniper, and we could sort of go back through them. But, you know, Tim could go to some well-paying job and, you know, absolutely he'll be, he'd be fine. You know, he, he could get paid you know, really well, incredibly, to do that. But he wanted to build something special and, and be part of that. So that's like the risk that founders take, and, and it is it can be hard, and the opportunity cost of your time is something that people often weigh up. Um, so... You know, with Eucalyptus, which is a house of brands, as mentioned, they got there. They're trying to help, you know, patients achieve better health outcomes in, a, in an efficient way. So, yeah, Pilot is about um, obviously, yeah, weight loss, but also men's sexual health. You know, you got uh, Kin, which is sort of females along the their fertility journey. Um, skin software, which is around like prescription um, uh, skincare, and then uh, Juniper, which is sort of you know. Uh, medical weight loss, but also a menopause brand as well. So really difficult sort of items to attack, but the fact that you can add value and, and help patients, a lot of who might be living in remote areas and you know not be able to you know get access to a GP with easy, and this is anchored by telehealth um, in that regard, then you know he knows he's building something, he's adding value to people, and he gets highly motivated by that. So, and once again, if he knocks it out of the park, it can be very rewarding for sure, but the risk that he, he could have just gone and taken a you know, well-paid job, but instead he wants to go and build that is, I think it's quite inspiring. And mm. um, that's why I like sort of, yeah, working with and aligning to these people. Love, love that. And it's great that, yeah, looking forward to meeting this guy. He sounds like an absolute star. Um, what is the one thing that you're continually learning from all these, you know, I like to call them the kings, the weapons, the, just the really intelligent, hardworking kind of guys like Tim that you've just alluded to? Uh, you mentioned you've mentioned a lot of names here that might not be familiar with some of the listeners, but they can go away and search um, them on LinkedIn and see what their what their roles are. But what's the one thing that you, you see that stands out with all these guys that you're meeting at the top of the game in the business world, yeah. VC world? I think I like once again, like not too dissimilar to sports, like just how adaptable they are, and obviously they're highly intelligent, but they work hard. They've got the good team, whether it's like internally or also their board that they can rely on these people, but that they they adapt so. You know, over the last sort of 12 to 8 months where you know the macro world's changed a little bit in that regard like there wasn't this business is working it's set and forget it's like okay we need to adjust we need to adapt what does that look like um do we pass on cost do we add further value what, what can we build out do we need to raise capital and like just making the right decisions at the right time and under pressure but being cool calm and collected 
within that. So once again, you know, I could be talking about an, an AFL player or a cricketer on the on the sporting field. But yeah, the way that they're able to, I guess, adapt in the face of like challenges or any headwinds has been like profound. Where um, you know every quarterly update or every sort of time we chat to them, they're entertaining a new issue or a new problem. But you, you back them to figure it out along the way and. Mm. Coming back to you know Ava just quickly, I think that's why it's good for athletes to you know ultimately invest in some private companies because um, you know public markets. And we might have seen the boys around the locker room. You come off the track, you know, am I up? Am I down? What's going on? Should I sell? <laughs> um, as well, whereas what's important to understand in VC, it, it can be a pro, it can be a con, but it's highly illiquid, which means it's really hard. It's hard to get out of these positions. So like a house, right? Like. You buy the house, like, yeah, you can, but it, it might take time to, to get out um, and to realise your cash on that. So what we're saying is that we're backing these this team to figure it out over a three to seven, ten-year journey. Um, and if you're up for that, then there might be some headwinds, there might be some things along the way, but over time, we're backing them to achieve a really good result and outcome. So, um, yeah, I think that's the important thing is there's setbacks, there's issues, but they're undeterred and they just figure out a way to, mm. to progress. And I think you'd be the same, but... With, with the best athletes that I've seen, they've got this like unshakable like sense of belief in self, like almost in a religious way where if they make a mistake or if something has a setback, they'll learn from it and they crave that feedback, but they're not like, they don't start to doubt themselves and they'll just keep going about it and it won't sort of harp on the mistakes or, you know, get down on themselves. Whereas like, you know, without putting words in your mouth, but I know I've been there as an athlete where you have these moments mm. of doubt where you do entertain that. So does that detract away from me coming back to sport quickly from getting up at 6am and going to an extra session? Like maybe, because it's like, I'm thinking it's not worth it. So always be mindful of that, that sense of identity and that, that sense of belief in yourself, I think is, is crucial. So you almost, and then when you're, when you're um, getting, not that you're getting pitched, but you're getting opportunities to invest in these companies you as the, the founder, um, the CEO of AV, are you, you're obviously looking at their business model, you're looking at their product, you know, all that kind of stuff, but are you really sussing out who you're dealing with? And, and do you, you know, it's obviously like, yeah, I love the product, but do I believe in you? It means a lot as well when you're making these decisions and taking all this to the, the athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, as mentioned, te- teams, everything. And, um, and for anyone starting a business, as mentioned, it, like it's, it can be hard, it can be really hard. So. That passion needs to be there, and it needs to be like, um, like you know, almost in perpetuity, like there. So like, whilst it can be hard and it can be taxing, but similar, I'll just keep coming back to the parallels, like you know, and you've heard this before, but like effort is is just critical with everything. So like normal effort will get normal outcomes, abnormal effort will get abnormal outcomes. So the people that are like their brand is tied to what they're doing, they won't let it fail. They'll keep figuring out a way to do it. But also they are the types of people that can attract talent to come and work with them and that so that they can build out that elite team. Um, that's, that's really important. So yeah, you spend time with the founders, you get to understand them. What have they done previously? What are their like unique insights? Um, do they talk about we and team and, and collective in that regard? Um, do they know their role and where their lane is and where they can then rely on other people to execute on theirs? Um, so you spend a lot of time in that. And like Steve Marks is a, is a good example from from GYG, just like supremely passionate about like- I was just about to say oh. that being on, I've been lucky enough to be on a few of your calls and um, listening to, to him speak, he, I love his energy and I'm, you know, me, I love energy. I'm drawn to him and his passion and 
you know, we're talking about a product that I love already, but it's like you can't just not love how driven and you, you just know he's going to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's going he's gonna to work it out because he's so passionate. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the Giants were ordering, you know, Jessica Spenlove was ordering GYG as our post-game meal. So it's like, okay, why is that? And she's like, oh, I think it's the healthiest QSR. Great, awesome. Great product. We all love the product. I, I think it's unrivaled. Um, and then you start to meet the team and you understand the business and you look at the financial metrics and you go, okay, it's all, it's all starting to stack up here and then it becomes a really compelling investment opportunity. But the passion for his people and the passion for like his, the food and making sure that that is you know, like a, just a premium product, you, you just see it come through. And then you can imagine him like working every day and just bringing that energy to the office and just how that inspiring that would be and he'd drag people with him. So those are the types of people that you obviously want to want to back and be mm. uh, ultimately shareholders of. Let's take it easy here for a second. Guzman Gomez. Is it Guzman or Guzmani you just said? Guzmani and then it's like E Gomez. Like, uh, right. I speak fast, but Guzman E Gomez. Yeah, GYG yeah. we'll call it for now. Yeah. Um, what's your order? Yeah, so well, I used to get the, the bowl, like a chicken bowl. Um, but now with the little one, I've got Harrison in one arm sometimes <laughs> and Rachel and I sort of take turns. So now I go the burrito. So spicy chicken burrito, add a guac, get the guac on there. Love it, love it. I like to go uh, the bowl as well, but I, I flick the beans out and the cheese and the chips. And then I get some tacos as well. Generally struggling to eat them, but nice. just love the taco, the soft shell yeah. cracker. It's, no. it's, it's, it's such a good, I think, I mean, you can allude to this, but... They're doing so well in Australia. They're, they're, are they, they've got plans to go to America, right? They're in America now. They're in America now. Yeah, so they've got some Chicago stores. Which... I've seen on LinkedIn, it's like the, the people are literally lining up at the doors yeah. in their, or not lining up, they're in their cars blocking streets because everyone wants to go through the drive-thru. That's literally what's going on, isn't it? Yeah, and like I said, we, we think it's a great product and you know, happy to go head-to-head with other um, other yeah QSR sort of options. So yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to see how it goes there. But yeah, in Australia alone, there's still plenty of um, stores they want to roll out. I often get messages saying, can you tell the team to put one here closer to me? And you know, this is where I drive and these sort of things. So well, there's one about 50 meters in South Yarra next to me. Like, it cops are hiding. <laughs> I'd love to know how many times I've ordered it. Like I, I reckon I'd have to be up there with 200. Thank you, mate. We appreciate that. No, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, you guys should be. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome, mate. It's awesome. And what I love as well, while we're on it, you know, it's, it's very, you're educating athletes. And what I've found is I've always been busy away from sport. Um, probably similar to you. I, probably last five, six years. I can't remember how many one-year deals I had, but you just knew you got to do something away from footy. And I'm lucky I started doing Ricks when I was going well. Um, and then obviously was always passionate about this stuff as well, but couldn't really do it while I was playing. Um, but what I love about what you're doing is you're educating all these athletes and 150 of them at the moment, it'd probably be a thousand by the time we do this in a couple of years. And a lot of players are lost. They don't know what to do. And what you're actually doing is you're putting all these different business models and all these different people and all these opportunities to meet people. And then you're putting them in a pool of athletes where they probably bounce off ideas and understand each other, even though they're in different codes. But you're educating them. And I reckon it's like one of the best things you can do because they always say, you know, you don't know what you're going to like until you try it, right? Where you can just get them on a call and go, hey guys, jump on this. Um, you might be earning thousands of dollars as well with no idea what you want to do away from footy, but this is a good way for you to just understand what's going on and invest your money, um, not your time, um, into these businesses, but you can educate yourself on the way. I think it's fantastic. It must be really helping the well-being of these athletes. Yeah, I think it's something we still need to grow and definitely get better at um, doing, but... Yeah, to your point, like a lot of athletes are studying, like, you know, a good friend Toby Green's just finished his degree, now he's studying his MBA, Phil's doing his, Phil Davis doing his MBA, like 
a lot of athletes are out there doing that, which is, which is great. Um, it's not for everyone and studying is not for everyone, so that's fine. But where you can learn like specific areas that are actually tangible to you, that's where it becomes important. And like I, I call it the micro education where it's like you can jump on a masterclass um, and learn about portfolio construction, asset allocation and the different asset classes and how I should be thinking about that. And you know, this is not financial advice, but um, just sort of general financial advice, which they always sort of declare, but that's like relevant to them. They can understand that, they can take it away. And maybe from that interest, they can then dive a little bit deeper. Um, I think passion's everything, because if you're passionate about something, you'll keep going with it. So I think you touched on the hair where it's like, you can um, try lots of different things and then the one that you, you're passionate about, you'll just find that you lean into more. So there's that from the education point of view. Um, we also helped an athlete uh, get a part-time job at, at a company and that's gone you know, well for them as well. So yeah, we think that over time we can help um, like the work experience bucket where you can go in, we know these athletes are super busy, uh, they might have a day off a week as, as we know in AFL, but to go in, shadow some people, actually understand what happens in their world and as I mentioned, there's lots of parallels between being an athlete and a startup. I'd love to see athletes ultimately transition into working into more of these startups as well over time. Um, so yeah, I get quite passionate about it, about that, and yeah, adding value to our community. Yeah, well said. Well said. It's it's no well. It's it's um it's awesome to see. I think the last question I want to touch on with AV is for everyone listening and watching this. They're probably thinking. How do I get involved, right? They clearly can't get involved in athletic ventures as a you know, VC company, um, but how do they get involved? Do you know what I mean? Like, as you said, it's so tough, but someone's gonna be sitting there going, hey, Matty, I've got a million dollars for an example. I'm just making this figure up. I wanna be in this. I wanna invest in Guzman Gomez. I wanna invest in Eucalyptus Pilot, all these companies. Uh, how do they get involved? Well, where do you start? Yeah, and once again, it's really hard, but there are um, like angel syndicates out there that you can go and join. So if you are passionate about the space, I'd encourage you to sort of Google them and, and go, do, go do your own research there. We're obviously athletes only, but the ability to um, participate in either crowdsource funding is a, is a real option and there's platforms that allow you to do that. So to check out the crowdsource funding as well as some other angel syndicates um, that you might be able to join. Uh, if you're eligible so yeah there is ways there are options there are options there are options yeah that's good to know it's good to know and is there anything uh, anything exciting at av when i say exciting there's a lot of things that are exciting but anything recent news that we can talk about or is it all just going steady and strong and yeah so we obviously provide quarterly updates you know to our investors some of the companies are going really well um uh, so you know henry we invested in was our most recent investment um so they're going really well you know quite simply they're a um, accounting and, um, and tax software tool for sole traders, independent earners, contractors, where um, if you're a client with them, then um, they calculate, uh, deduct and pay like the amount of tax that you need to pay automatically. So you don't need to fumble around thinking about it uh, in that regard. And they, yeah, so automatically pay your taxes and allow you to focus on the areas that you want to do. And New Zealand-based company that's starting to grow and, and scale through Australia, uh, and they're doing really, um, really, really cool smart. Things. Really so, smart. Anyone yeah. out there, download. It's, a, it's an Henry. app. Henry has yep. it spelled as well. H N R Y. That's right. No E. So yep. yeah, great, great business. Really adding value to um, to customers. And like the the the, the um, sporting example is like athletes might go and do an extra coaching clinic or like speaking engagement or otherwise. And it's like, oh, you got to organize an invoice now. It's like, how do I do that? And GST or no GST? And like, they help do all that for you. And then when you get paid, 
they'll make sure they keep the amount of tax aside so that you don't have any surprises come tax time. So yeah, just to give a tangible It's genius. Example. Someone like myself, who's, uh, I, I like to think I'm very creative. I've put all my energy into other stuff. <laughs> you the, are. The, uh, the, the whole accounting side of the, I mean, I love my numbers, but when it comes to tax time, I've got no idea. And, I, and I've downloaded the app and I'm just amazed at how simple it is and how easy it is, you know? Yeah. So um, for like someone like me, it's always on the go and forget about me personal admin. Yeah, exactly. Because it cleans up your life like that. That's the one. And once again, like you want to play your role, your better time is spent there. So where you can engage other tools to help, you know, automate that area of your life, allows you to focus on ACEs, allows you to focus on you know, delivering value for your community where the better return on your time is, mm. is there. Nah, well said. So, how many, um, sorry, I'll move on. I wanna talk about you in AV and then we'll move to footy, right? Everyone listening, I know you're gonna be like, asking him about the tagging, I'm gonna get there, so relax. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about you quickly. How much time are you spending, you know, when you're on, we talk about AV as an actual company and 150 athletes, but where does most of your time go throughout the week? I'd imagine, like, I'd imagine there's, lunatics like myself going, oh, Matty, asking you probably dumb questions, which takes up time, but that is your role. You've got a WhatsApp, I believe, with everyone in there. It's a great little community and everyone would branch off and ask a lot of questions. But where does all your time go? Because you're the one that's actually doing all the emails. You're the one that's organizing everything. You know, I want to understand what your week looks like. Yeah, so, and I do get plenty of help to be to be clear. So we've got you know, some, humble, man. some great people, <laughs> some great people involved. Um, as mentioned, like yeah, Justin Littman, Ed Cowan, Nick Crocker. Can't you know? What are they helping you with, just up. so we can break it down? So they're sort of the key um, advisors and an advisory board there, and to sort of help um, navigate. Obviously, AV as a business and what we should be thinking about doing, but also um, helping analyze the companies that we might be ultimately looking at. Um, as well as adding value and supporting the companies that we have invested in as well through their networks or otherwise. And Dixon White, Luke Bucheri, you know, really helped me with building out the AV sort of product and, and what we're doing there as well as analysis uh, in that regard. Christy Jenkins as well, um, just phenomenal smart people. So yeah, awesome. But yeah, most of the week is, is spent like, yeah, meeting, meeting new prospective companies and meeting founders and analyzing pitch decks and going through businesses, testing products, you know, customer calls, these types of areas as well as um, thinking about ways that we can add value to our uh, existing portfolio, whether it's through you know, organizing some social media activations or um, you know, trying to introduce them to some key people that we know that might be ultimately clients or, or otherwise. So those are the main ones, um, providing updates obviously to our investors, the athletes through quarterly reports or, or otherwise. And then yeah, you know, obviously um, deal with questions um, from people, as well as we t tend to onboard you know, new athletes every month as well and explain, um, you know, as I've sort of done today, what is private you know, investing and how does it work and what are the options and, and things like that. So, yeah. But athletes that want to get involved that are currently playing, maybe past, they've done really well, they've got a fair chunk of cash that's sitting there um, and they're bored, they simply just slot into your DMs, they <laughs> LinkedIn, Instagram, you're probably on everything just so you can get it done, but that's how they onboard, they just meet with you and then you go through them like this? Yeah, so typically you have to be uh, invited by an existing member um, and sort of growing like that. So a bit like a dating app on they, Raya. They might have to come. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. I just <laughs> to... talking about it last so night. They might, have to, they might have to come by you, mate, or otherwise. But yeah, no, we have had people reach out directly, and um, and we just on yeah we can onboard them um, yeah if they're interested once again to to learn and then yeah be ultimately long term yeah. Know, business holders and, and shareholders of, of, of companies. No, nah, it's brilliant. Well done, mate. It's uh, it's super, and it's great to see that it's it's gone through. You know, not seamless, but 
um, you've found your feet, and that's something that takes a lot. You know, it takes athletes a long time once they finish, especially when you're playing every week. Um, I think that's I think that's really important. Like I feel like I've found my people in, in regards to like you know VC and ambitious people and, and founders in that regard. So um, I feel like I found my people a while back. You know, in, in a sporting context where like. Yeah, I used to despise people that like didn't give 100% at something or we'd be playing table tennis and they didn't care if they lost. And they're like, what do you mean you don't care? Like, yeah. I'd be ropeable if yeah, I lost, weak, like, weak whatever, whatever it was. <laughs> so I think I found my people in regards to, you know, competitive people and, and whatever that, you know, would look like. Um, so I really love sport in that regard. And then, you know, I love people that are, you know, ambitious and want to build something and be disruptive and do that. So, like, that's that's been helpful for me in my transition. And I know it's a real source of anxiety for a lot of people, but where you can find people that you're passionate about working with, whatever domain that might be, that's really helped me. So I guess that'd only be the, the bit of advice I'd give to people is just find your tribe of people that you're passionate about a certain area with, and then you'll find your way um, in that regard. And one of my mentors, uh, Ed Cowan, uses the analogy of, uh, in sport, you're climbing a mountain and, and you're going up the mountain and you know you might get to the top or you get close to the top or, or otherwise, but when you transition, um, there's a new mountain to climb in your new life and you don't just get to you know, hang glide or you know, across to the top of the next mountain. Like You've got to go back down to the bottom. It's right? well said. You've got to go back down to the bottom, which you know, we're, we're all part of, part of doing, but I think what's important is like you learn a lot of skills you know, climbing this first mountain and you know, Alex Silvani on the summit. I don't know if anyone's watched that, but the man the he man, got robbed. He got robbed, but <laughs> the man smashed it right just because, like, you know, he was team first. He was loyal. He did all the right things. So he's come through like a shining light, I reckon. And there's obviously gameplay amongst it, but he's taken the literal sense of his teamwork and lessons in leadership across to that mountain. But when I talk about like transition to climbing, say the business mountain or or otherwise or whatever area that you might be passionate about, it's what skills have you learned in this first one? So definitely use them around like leadership and grit and hustle and growth mindset and, and these areas. But I will also talk about like the climbing party that like that you've gone through there with, whether it's like teammates, ex-teammates that will be your friends and support networks there, but also like mentors. And, and that's what I've sort of been able to um, form really great relationships with key people that are now helping me get up this next mountain. So still at the bottom, but feeling um, supported and um, and confident in that journey as a result of like the skills and I still need to learn plenty but the people around you are, are really key so yeah just wanted to touch on that uh, well done I'm glad you did touch on that these analogies are great some are like me I'm a simple man and these mountains I'm just picturing two mountains and I'm at the bottom of one <laughs> I don't even think I got to the middle of the other one either. <laughs> but it's great like I think everyone whether you're driving right now or you're watching it on YouTube or you're listening I think they're probably sitting there going like some people don't have two mountains, right? They might only have one, but they might have two if they jump career. And um, like you said, you do, you learn a lot of lessons walking down the first one and then walking back up the second one. But yeah, surrounding yourself with the right people is, is key. And I like the way that you said, follow your passion. Like I feel like um, doing this now for me, it's about American sport, it's around Australian sport, it's around athletes, it's about telling people's story, getting the, getting the real story out there, helping their businesses if they are you know, in the business or whatever. I'm really passionate about it. So it makes me, it just makes it easier. Yeah. Whereas, you know, as you know, there's probably things where you've might have tried or you've done and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. It doesn't really get me out of bed. The end goal might look juicy. It might make me successful, but is that right? And, you know, you listen to a lot of big businessmen, whether it's, you know, those, whether it's podcasts or little clips or you speak to the right people and 
it's funny. They say if you do follow your passion, you'd be surprised where it does take you. So it's it's good to hear it from you as well. Yeah, I think you ultimately need to see a pathway to being able to pay the bills, obviously, like in, in that regard. But when you start a business or or get passionate about something, there's always a spike, right? You get like excited by that. And then there's a great book called The Messy Middle. It's like, righto, now we're in the messy middle. This is the tougher part. Like, how am I going to get through this? And But if that passion's there, you'll find a way. So I think it's important that you need to understand that like the mechanics or the um, uh, the ability to you know, pay yourself and, and earn from that is important in any pursuit. Um, anchors, but anchored by passion will help you get through that, that messy middle. Mm. I like that, the messy middle. I don't read many books. It's a good book. It's a good book. Yeah. Audio good. book, mate. Audio book. I know you're, I know you're a big runner still. And you're yeah, well, I did me hammy the other day. I was going, I've still got it though. Jeez, I can move. I think that's me probably. You've been training, you've been like moving still? Just a little bit, probably. Are you still humming? Probably, no, nah, I probably need to get that back going a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. You put on it, like you're all muscle, but like if you just notice that you're not at playing weight and you're like, I need to come back down. or Probably just above playing weight now, I think. <laughs> Having the kid as well sort of disrupts the uh, the routine a little bit, but yeah. I've actually been playing a bit of tennis and a bit of paddle tennis and, and those sort of <laughs> That's things. That's actually right. <laughs> My mate Callet, uh, the great man, uh, Marcus, has written in. We got a question. I just remember them from earlier, but he said to ask Maddie, does he rate himself uh, as a paddle tennis player? Uh, how do you go? Oh, I'm better than him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do not rate myself in the bigger scheme of things. But oh, it's just a good, fun game, right? That you can. Yeah, tick that competitive bucket and get out there with the boys and, and have a little hit around. It's getting so. bigger, isn't it, paddle tennis? Yeah, it's, it's huge in, in Europe America, and, it's start, yeah, and, in America Europe. and starting to come to Australia. So, yeah, I'm sure people will uh, start to get in their Instagram algorithm. Well, I, you know, I've got, well, obviously got WhatsApp with you and Clarkie and a few of the boys. Paddle tennis versus pickle and you're like, paddle's the future. What's the difference? So they're very different and they appeal to different people. So, yeah, pickleball is like super accessible, like um, small court, um, obviously a net. Doubles is the, is the way to do it. Really fun game. I've done that as well and, and played with some cool people in, in Sydney that are really growing that, which is exciting. And then paddle tennis, it's sort of like squash meets tennis where you're in a glass box. Um, closest thing I'll get to an octagon, mate. <laughs> I don't know. I reckon you go, you, you do a little celebrity <laughs> fight in UFC. Oh, no thanks. Um, and like you can play the ball off the back and it's you know quite engaging as well. So yeah. both appeal to different sort of people, but um, yeah, I've probably been playing a bit more paddle tennis at this point in time. Yeah, love it, love it. Milwaukee's MX Fuel equipment system revolutionizes the light equipment market by delivering the performance and durability demanded by the trades. From the MX Fuel cutoff saw and MX Fuel sewer machine to the MX Fuel power supply and the MX Fuel tower light, MX Fuel has you covered without the hazards associated with emissions, noise, vibration, and the frustrations of petrol maintenance. MX Fuel equipment system. Equipment redefined. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Ricks. Ricks is an Australian lifestyle brand founded with a mission to transform the eyewear industry by creating carefully crafted eyewear that inspires confidence. Everybody should be able to enjoy a touch of luxury and the confidence it brings. See the world differently today. Head online now at rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. I know what you're thinking. Tommy, surely there's more. Of course there's more. Matty the ball, we've got him in the house for another podcast. We split them up into two because they are quite long. So part two with Matty the ball just around the corner. Thanks for listening to part one. Whilst you're there and you're checking out part two, just hit subscribe, hit follow. Make sure you share the podcast to your friends if you think they'd love this one. Righto, enough of me. Jump into part two with Matty the ball. Jeez, how good is this bloke?